The Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ According to Luke. The assembly of the elders of the people rose as a body and brought Jesus before Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, We found this man perverting our nation, forbidding us to pay taxes to the emperor, and saying that he himself is the Messiah, a king. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered, You say so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no basis for an accusation against this man. But they were insistent and said, He stirs up the people by teaching throughout all Judea from Galilee, where he began even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him off to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had been wanting to see him for a long time, because he had heard about him and was hoping to see him perform some sign. He questioned him at some length, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. Even Herod and his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then he put an elegant robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. That same day, Herod and Pilate became friends with each other. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate then called together the chief priests, the leaders, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was perverting the people, and here I have examined him in your presence and have not found this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. Indeed, he has done nothing to deserve death. I will therefore have him flogged and release him. Then they all shouted out together, Away with this fellow! Release Barabbas for us! This was a man who had been put in prison for an insurrection that had taken place in the city and for murder. Pilate wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again. But they kept shouting, Crucify! Crucify him! A third time he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no ground for the sentence of death. I will therefore have him flogged and then release him. 
But they kept urgently demanding with loud shouts that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate gave his verdict that their demand should be granted. He released the man they asked for, the one who had been put in prison for insurrection and murdered. And he handed Jesus over as they wished. As they led him away, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and they laid the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A great number of the people followed him, and among them were women who were beating their breasts and wailing for him. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are surely coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and the hills cover us. For if they do this when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other criminals, two others also who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. Please stand. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me 
when you come into your kingdom? He replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. While the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God and said, Certainly this man was innocent. And when all the crowds who had gathered there for this spectacle saw what had taken place, they returned home, beating their breasts. But all his acquaintances, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Please be seated. What a terrible story. We are in Holy Week. Holy Week leads us directly now to Good Friday. the time when we keep watch at the foot of the cross. In all my years in ministry, the hardest day for me has always been Good Friday. I really hate looking at the cross and contemplating the suffering and the pain and the dying. I hate it. So that's where we're going this week. We're going down. And this story, this story, I assume that these folks were folks like you and me. They just wanted the best things to happen. But it's a story that ends so badly. It's a story about how everybody acted so badly. And it underscores for me the importance of never underestimating the forces of darkness in our own hearts and minds, and in our world. What are those forces of darkness? It's the power of fear. The power of fear. The power of narrow self-interest. The power of anxiety. The power of losing control. All these things come together The story began as Jesus entered the holy city, people shouting Hosanna, praises, Jesus riding on a donkey. It seemed like something really special was about to happen. And then this same crowd, who had been so jubilant and joyful about Jesus coming to the holy city, cry out just a few days later, in part because they've been manipulated, but they're fickle too. 
Crucify him. Crucify him. All the while, Pilate's just trying to figure it all out. Pilate's an outsider. He's the Roman. Of course, the power of Rome is what all the locals, the Jews, and everybody hated the most. They hated the oppression and the pain. But just think of Pilate. If I were Pilate, would I want my diplomatic career to end in this godforsaken place among these people? I just want to get out of town whole. I don't want my reputation to be sullied by some horrific incident. This guy is innocent. And yet these other people, the leaders of the Jews, are crying for his crucifixion, his death. It doesn't make any sense. So what does Pilate do? He does the expedient thing. What in that moment appears to be the easiest path to take. And then the Jewish leaders, the Jewish leaders trying to preserve their history and their traditions. Jesus was clearly a challenger to their system. They were perhaps worried about the power of Rome crashing down on their heads because of the way Jesus was behaving. If they could just eliminate the problem, even though we hate the Romans, at least life can go on in some way. So they cry for the death of Jesus. And then in the personal way, I think, the, I imagine that the loneliest moment in Jesus' life was when Peter denied him. I mean, here was Peter, the guy who trapped the hills of Galilee, had been with him all the time, not always understanding stuff, but the one closest to Jesus. And at crunch time, when he was fearful, he denied that he knew him. I can't imagine the loneliness and the pain that Jesus must have felt in that moment being abandoned by the human being who was closest to him. And then, of course, there was Judas. Judas always gets the worst rap, and we dismiss him. But remember, the Romans were the hated people in town, and there was so much confusion about where the power that Jesus had could take God's people. Wouldn't it be great to throw the Romans out once and for all and to be free at last? And one of the perspectives is that Judas knew that Jesus had the power. He was just trying to force Jesus' hand so he would do his thing and throw the Romans out. A mishmash of motivations of fear, of uncertainty, of narrow self-interest. And you think if one piece was just a little bit different, the outcome would have been totally different. But each piece reinforced 
the other, and it all ended so badly, so incredibly badly. An innocent man hanging on the cross, dying. For each of us on our spiritual journeys as we come to this holy week, in a spiritual way, it's an opportunity for each of us to see ourselves in the lives of those figures who are part of the drama. Because fear, uncertainty, narrow self-interest, anxiety, losing control, oppression, these are all things that haunt us, things that we struggle with day in and day out. The problem of sin for each one of us participating in the brokenness and uncertainty of life. Yes, Holy Week is a chance to go down, to go all the way down. It ends in death and despair. Never underestimate the forces of darkness. Never underestimate the powers of evil in ourselves and in our world. The battle rages, and those forces want to take us down want us to believe that there is no God, there is no hope, there is no blessing in life, ultimately. That the forces of darkness win. And what we're doing here makes no sense in a world that doesn't cohere, that doesn't hang together, where love and compassion are ultimately defeated. So my question tonight, for all of us, is can we find God in the midst of suffering and death? Suffering and death that are real. Can we find it personally? Can we find it in a broken and confused world? That's the question for each of us as we go through this journey in Holy Week. One other thought. This reading is called the Passion, and Passion's ancient roots mean suffering. And suffering, in its rawest form, takes us down all the way. But there is another word, the word compassion, which at its root means to suffer with. 
One of the things that we have in Holy Week as we move toward Good Friday is we have a God who suffers in the most profound and difficult way. Can we find God in the suffering? 